My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host of a Minor Detail Radio podcast, where the minor details of every story matter. Each week, I talk to Maryland newsmakers, from elected officials, journalists, political candidates, to policy wonks and everyday Marylanders. A Minor Detail podcast is the fusion between Maryland news and politics. Real people, real stories, honest conversation. You can also follow us on the web at aminordetail.com. Sit back, relax, and have fun. So good afternoon, everybody. This is a... I wouldn't call it a special episode, but I always get a chance to come down. Anytime I get a chance to come down to uh, Silver Spring, to Denizens, to be with my good friend, Julie Verratti, um, I'm excited. This is like the best part of my weekend, and I really didn't do a lot this weekend. Yeah, we didn't. I kind of sat around. Like yesterday, my wife and I, we, we went out to eat at Guapo's over in Rio. So we... And then she worked yesterday, and I so I cleaned the house. I guess that's something. Yeah, we recently. She did. She definitely did. She's like, "Oh, hon, you clean the house," which was a huge Christmas. I think that was my Christmas present to her. So, did a little house cleaning, and then today it's uh, Sunday afternoon here on December the sixteenth, and um, I have former lieutenant gubernatorial candidate. Uh, Julie Verratti with me, who was the LG to Alec Ross, and she is a wonderful business owner. She owns this awesome place, and you're opening up another joint uh, over in PG County, and it's exciting. You were saying it could be open in March or April, right? How's, how's that, working with local government? More so than Montgomery? Yeah, Ten times. What's well, that's still that's still that's a lot. Here in Montgomery? And when did you open Denizens? Okay. How are the members of the council? Were they excited to, to help you? Yep. Yep. 
Yep. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, there, there has to be a regulatory uh, process that shows that you are a competent business owner. It shouldn't stand in your way, but as someone who is going is planning to open an establishment, um, it, it takes a lot of effort and it takes severe dedication and uh, discipline. I, I, I work in a startup company and I'm thinking if I didn't have good leadership, I wouldn't be there because startups, they either are a stunning success or they fail within the first three to five years. And so that's always scary. And, you know, I always thought to myself, why don't you open a business? And I don't know what it would be. Um, I grew up in a small business setting. My parents owned a, an HVAC company. And I'm thinking, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that I kind of want to do with my life, but maybe I'm just, I was, I, I just guess I've always been scared to do it. And I don't know it is scary because you put, you put, you know, I imagine you invest your life savings into this and if then you have the responsibility of making payroll and feeding, literally feeding people, taking care of families and businesses, small businesses are families. And, and that's, that to me is so scary. And I'm thinking if I, if I couldn't make payroll one weekend, like what would I do? I, I, I would, how would I tell my employees but you can't be fearful of that and i think you just got to do it and this has proved to be a massive success here at denizens and people love it here i mean this is home for people um and when i come to silver spring i always think well i got to make a stop here and uh this is this is just a great place to to hang out with friends to have a beer spend some time out on the patio and uh this is i think this is what communities are all about <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Never been there, but I heard it's a cool place. Did you drive or fly? Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. I work for a company that has about 45 people, and I we treat 
our boss treats us like family. He does. There's, if, if somebody's suffering through something personal at home, I've just never worked for a company that has been so flexible, that has been so understanding that family always comes first. And this is, and, and this is a guy that has three kids of his own that understand that, you know, are relatively young in their thirties and it's family first. And, and I'm sure that to, if you work for a shitty boss, it is, and I have, I really, yeah. And, and, and I left back in, uh, I was, I left the company that I'm with now last December and I went to work for a home care agency over in uh, Northern Virginia. And I was making significantly more money. I mean, it was a tr- huge pay increase. And it sucked. It sucked. It, it, the, you, you get up to the bridge. You know, I would, I would drive down River Road because at, at the time we were living in North Potomac. And there's no easy way, Julie, to get across to Northern Virginia. Other than going to White's Ferry, which is impossible, I would have had to drive back. I, my office was in Reston, and it's that's inconvenient. You can't you can't make that happen. But anyway, you get up to the bridge. Going over in the morning wasn't so bad. If I left my house around seven thirty, um, I could get past the bridge by eight o'clock, and then I would go up two sixty seven um, up the toll road, and that was fine. Now I'm not advocating for toll roads. I'm, I'm not an advocate for toll roads. And I, I don't think that many of our local Democrat friends here are going to advocate for that either. And I, and I think that I think the governor, we can talk about that, but the governor has to look past toll roads because you look at 66 in Northern Virginia, it's, it's still backed up and people are still paying 40 bucks to get into D.C. or out of D.C. But I left a big, this, I mean, I, I, I had leadership that wasn't where I needed it to be. It's, I'm not saying it wasn't a great company to work for because it was, it's just that, our leaders were at the company. The owners were virtually absent, and my personality didn't work like that. And I had to have very hands-on. So I ultimately decided to go back to a company that I I knew well and was comfortable because they took care of us and they cared about us as individuals. And that's what I think people who want to go into business need to understand: that employees must you have to treat your employees like that. That's a big deal to me. And tell us a little bit more about what you're doing over in PG County. What's the name of the, uh, what's the name of it? And uh, I'm, I'm sure. What are your? How are you marketing it? Okay. Oh, nice. It's going to be the new hangout for College Park. Well, let's. But you're sur- you'll serve food. Okay. How did you have a liquor license here, right? Oh, okay. But isn't it in Maryland that you ha- it can be one liquor license per person? Okay. Well, if I David Tron- David Trone's an expert on that. <laughs> I see. Oh, right. So in PG County, that's that's who approved. Okay. Where you walk into 
Perfect. Wow. Have you have you begun to hire your staff and put together a team? Oh, really? What's that about? What are your thoughts, and maybe this will tie into it, about the the county's $15 minimum wage? Is that something that you support, or is it something that would need some – I mean, it's going to happen over over time, and they're, they're phasing it in, which I think was the right way to do it. Some small businesses came out and testified against the bill, um, but – Tell me, what do you? How do you think that that would work in a business like this, paying employees fifteen dollars for you know across the board as a starting salary? Right. <laughs> so many. Did you guys ever do uh, a forum with LG candidates? <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. But you couldn't expound. And it was stopped by Ike Lankett the, the, the first time. I'm glad he, he did that. As, and I think Ike had his pulse on the business community to the extent where he, would, he could show up to denizens and say, Julie, tell me how this would affect you. And I hope that Mark does the same. And, I'm not, and it's not a criticism of Mark. I, I, and I'm, I think he will, and I think he's off to a good start. So, you know, and but but with that, it's 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 hard to ask a closed a closed question, a closed-ended question to say, do you support the fifteen-dollar minimum wage? Well, 
how does that apply to someone up in Garrett County, Maryland, versus someone who in, in Silver Spring? This is a more lucrative area. People are making a lot more money down here. Some people. I mean, I think, I think that the, the medium household income in Montgomery County is somewhere between $99,000. And that's and up in Garrett County, it's probably 40-something. Mm-hmm. Nuance meaning that it may have been phased in, and I agree with that. I don't think you could do it all at once. Uh, most companies that I know who are operating in Montgomery County, ours for instance, we start out our, our if we have a um, you know uh, an entry level employee. We pay, I think we pay him 16 or $17 an hour, and we have that budget, and thank God. I mean, we have investors, and, and that is, that's something that we are very proud of. And I remember my first job out of college. I was making $26,000 a year working on Capitol Hill as a staffer, living in D.C. in a one-room efficiency, and it was virtually untenable. It was so – I mean, my, my parents were like, Ryan, I know that you really appreciate what – we appreciate what you're doing, okay? But we can't continue to bankroll you. You know, you're out of college now. You're a college graduate. It's time to be an adult, and it's time to. We can't pay your car payment. We can't make your, uh, you know, your healthcare payments. And it's this is not a fun job. This is the real world. And so I said, all right, well, do, do I, I'm going to be cut off. And my parents did the right thing. They just said no more. I mean, well, they'll help me when I need it, but. It's just that salary wasn't cutting it. And and Hill staffers, I mean, some days, Julie, I was working 20 hours a week or 20 hours a day, rather, um, 80, 90 hours a week doing God only knows what. It was it was the most fun time of my life. But, I, you know, there's there is something to it is not sustainable. And people griped at the new congresswoman elect from New York, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez when they said that she should pay interns as a former Capitol Hill intern, let me raise my hand first to say that I agree 100% that they need to pay them more. And they need to pay Hill staffers more. It's, it's, it's very expensive living in D.C. And it's expensive down here in Silver Spring. So let me, let me shift over to the campaign. You and I had an opportunity. In fact, if, if you're listening now, we are in, is this considered the basement? The lower tap room. We sat all the way on the end at a, a two booth, or now we're at a uh, at a circular table, and we have more room, and we're having a beer. And Julie ordered some food, and so before the election, I came down and we had a great conversation, and so this was where we didn't know what was going to happen during the primary, and I, I'm speaking that I interviewed Julie before the gubernatorial primary on June 26, and. You had a great running mate. Alec is a spectacular person who has one of the best policy platforms. He ran a great campaign. You ran a and And I hope that you pers- – I keep telling my friends, and I, I tell other people down here, that what district is this in? in county District 20. And what about the county council district? Is it fa- – is that Nancy Navarro? Tom Hunt. Okay. Well, I said, if you ran in district – if you lived in District 4, you should run for that seat next time. <laughs> um, so, 
You live in District 5. So that is Tom Hucker's. And Tom Hucker, he's term limited. Uh, no, I think he has one more term. Okay. I like Tom. He, he and his office are responsive. His chief of staff, Dave Koontz, um, great guy, uh, very responsible chief of staff. And so here we are after the election, you and Alec, was it, you pl- there was nine or ten candidates, and I think there was a lot. And were you, were you sure, where did you think you were going to place in term, in contrast to where you actually placed in the election? Obviously, you didn't make it through the primary. Mr. Jealous won the election and uh, the Democratic primary election. So what was that? Was that tough to lose? Was it the the feeling of emptiness? Now this is this journey is over. No, it was like uh, because you know when you run for office, your name is on the ballot, and there are people who are literally saying, "I like you or I don't like you." Yeah. Like, the whole state has voted, at least the Democrats, about primary or all voting. Um, you know, I I believe we basically got last place, um, and so that was. Did that upset you? Where were you and Alec on election night? Um, we were, I was picking up a bunch of And, and let me say this. Your staff was the one of the best gubernatorial staffs. Um, Katie um, was was tremendous, and she did a, a lot of great work. And um, Alex Press person was, was excellent. Daniel, all around, you had a great team. And Alec had a real message. And I think that this creates a new opportunity for young candidates like Alec and yourself to get out and, and, and build a movement. And as what I've learned and I my takeaway from this gubernatorial election on the Democratic side, there was no election for Larry Hogan on the Republican side. And even if he was challenged, he would they, he would have crushed the, the competition. And I, I see that this state is still largely controlled by establishment sort of politics in the sense that now now then again, I'm going to contradict myself. I just can't because Ben Jealous won, and he's the furthest thing from Maryland establishment. But but maybe that would apply in more of a general election. Um, but is it is it hard for someone like Alec who hasn't spent a lot of time on the scene in Maryland politics, um, but is still has an incredible resume? You have an incredible incredible resume. Was that tough, Julie? That it's like. Man, we are doing everything that we can possibly do. We are building this movement. We have a hell of a team. We're, we're everywhere. We're going where other candidates haven't gone. And we're running against some good, you know, some strong competition. But even still, people are, resig- or people are hearing our message. It's resonating. And did you ever just think, man, why, why can't we catch on? Why, what's, where's the fire? Why is this so tough? 
Yeah. Like a like knocking doors. Yeah, and you had a hell of a volunteer base as well. People people looked at this campaign, and when I remember back earlier in January when the finance reports came out, you guys raised, like, what, a million dollars? Yeah, we raised, we, we, we did a pretty good job with the fundraising. Yeah, and that was incredible. And that, to me, said, I wrote an article about it on a minordetail.com, and I said, Alec Ross, pay attention to his finance report. I mean, this is a, this is staggering to me that someone who's a virtually unknown candidate and hasn't had a long history in Maryland politics or electoral politics can raise that amount of money. Now, I know Alec went outside of the the state, but still, incredible. Oh, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Is it hard to do that, to pick up the phone and ask a stranger for money? For me, that would be hard. Yeah, so you know how to do it. Did it make you uncomfortable because the possibility, of course, exists that you could lose? Yeah. And it would be essentially a wasted investment. Like, uh, all these people gave us money and we let them down. Uh, imagine how Hillary Clinton felt on a national level. Well, I saw her face when when uh, I watched the, the Bush funeral um, pretty much in its entirety <laughs> and Hillary Clinton is the master of side shade. She's, and you know what, if I were her and I know I'm just speaking parenthetically here off topic. If I were her, I think she did exactly what she was supposed to do. She didn't even acknowledge him and he looked incredibly uncomfortable at that. And why should she acknowledge him? Why? When, when this is a guy who said you should be in jail. It's, it's just incredible. And I, I just think that, She was, and she just nodded her head and turned and, and, was, and was dignified and, and continued to focus on why she was there. But anyway, back to your campaign. Uh, so in the primary, you placed near last place, but after it was all over, and I remember where I was. In fact, Lynn and I, Lynn Foxwell and I were in Wet City in Baltimore City, we were live broadcasting. It was a tr- it was a great opportunity. We were another craft beer joint, and so we we talked about why Mister Jealous was the victor in that gubernatorial primary. That's what it is. Did he have a movement? 
So social media or Google ads or. And Jealous did that? So you're saying. Yeah, big some some big time endorsements. <laughs> the organizers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was people generally thought that the race in the last 3 weeks was breaking I think to him and when they there was polls that said that Rashern Baker from PG County was ahead um and Rashern ran a great campaign. He's a good man and I, I don't think that he's finished. He's still a relatively young guy, I think. I don't know if he's in his 50s or 60s, but look, politics, I mean, politicians can can make a recovery. And I... No, but I still think people thought that, especially in, if you're thinking in an establishment framework in Maryland politics, that he was the heir apparent to become the Democratic gubernatorial nominee. And he had all the establishment support. And so what does that now say about what kind of state Maryland is? We we just kicked to the curb, or rather Democrats kicked to the curb, Kathleen Matthews, who had a stunning successful uh, run. I, I mean, she picked up eight seats in the House of Delegates. And is is Maryland now the Democratic Party? Is it now more progressive? Or are we – what is it, Julie? I don't know how to – I don't even know what to make of any of this. How do you think I feel? <laughs> I mean, I'm a moderate on on very much so on probably probably you and I probably agree on eighty percent of issues, and and that's and that's cool. That's great. But yeah, when you're in a room full of 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 hardcore progressives, and I've seen them, and they're they they are staunchly specific, and they are adamant in what they believe in, and Sometimes I think that they do harm to their cause and that they are inflexible and unbending. And I just don't know if that's a sustainable model. Maybe it is in democratic politics. Amen. Yeah. The current which begs the question how how does Larry Hogan operate in that type of Republican Party? Does he? It looks in spite of it. 
Was was there ever a moment that in this campaign after the election, was there ever a moment that you thought Larry Hogan is in serious danger of losing the election? No, and, and after the gubernatorial election, so after the di- after the respective two major parties pick their candidates. Mm-hmm. And why is that? You had him here. So you endorse them. Yes. I mean, to the extent that you, an endorsement matters anymore. Right. That's right. I think a lot of people thought that. I, I, I had conversations, Julie, with several people who are smart, analytical, mathematical people who are just so happen to be involved in politics as well. And I had a friend friend call me the day before the election, and he and I talked. He's a former candidate, and he said, "Ryan, what do you think it's going to be by?" And I said, "Well." I said, I, I can't tell. I don't know how this is breaking. I think we'll know early in the evening. I think that as soon as the polls close, we will know something or have an idea of how the, the election is breaking. I said, but I think it's going to be between 10 and 12 points. And he said, I think you're wrong. I think it's going to be a lot closer. And we weren't, you know, it wasn't like we were com- competing, but Larry Hogan won by, what, 16 points? 16? 56 to 41 or two it was an incredible margin that was staggering for a republican running for his second term it hasn't happened since 1954 since um the 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 and he was like the second republican governor to be elected since 1860 i believe that's correct if i'm not then somebody will tell me That's that's a big point. Do you like him personally? Was that a misconception that he didn't understand business? Immediately, right? There's no doubt about that. I, 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 I see that, and I saw it. I saw that both candidates—I mean, Hogan was everywhere. 
and and so was Mr. Jealous. I never got to know the real Ben Jealous. I didn't. And I don't think that many voters did. I think that people saw him in a in in it through the media lens rather than through who he was and I I think that there was some strategic gaffes that he made though. I I don't necessarily think that it was m- massive or life altering but when he when he cursed at the the re- not at the reporter but it was it was it was um the 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 gal from the uh, the Washington Post and she's a tremendous reporter. She used to work for the Baltimore Sun. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron and uh she is a tremendous detailed and aggressive reporter. She wasn't being discourteous to him, but when he said, "Are you fucking kidding me?" that a lot of people were turned off about that. And I, I, to me, I, I thought, you know what? Okay, you could you could look at it two ways. One is you could make a political stink about it, like how could Ben Jealous do this? Like how could politicians ever curse? Okay. You thought so? Well, I think they're in. There's studies that say that people who curse and stay up late are are more intelligent. Although I don't stay up late anymore because I go to bed at like ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Do you think that? Do Do you think that if let's just say that it Larry Hogan said that? Do you think you think he would have jumped on that as a as like a gaff or something? I I I think that any opportunity for politicians to jump on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just raise money, be be the affable Julie that everybody in Silver Spring loves, and 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 make that uh, take that uh, statewide. Um, and and I think that to an I think to a large extent you did that, and and you've 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 you you have a brand now, and I think that that's in. Well, no, I, I mean that. I, I, you, you presented. I mean, instantly, I was attracted to this candidacy, and I couldn't vote in the Democratic primary. I'm, I'm a registered independent. The only people I could vote for is his school board. Yeah, and so I was so proud. I was like, I, I voted for the three school board members, and but I still, I mean, I've never missed a primary or a general election since I was 18, and and that's, and well, yeah, and that's something we want to instill in our kids, um, and so that's that's huge to me, but. I think you have a brand now, and I think Alec has a brand, and people are saying, Julie is a future leader in Maryland politics, whether you decide to run on your own or take another challenge, but especially in, in state politics, and I hope that you'll be in Annapolis fighting for this craft, you know, some craft beer bill. Mm-hmm. Good. I want to finish our conversation on on Ben Jealous. Um, he, it seems like that he was, by conventional wisdom, he was defined before he defined himself. 
Hogan had a lot of money, and so the RNC, uh, the Republican Governors Association, ran some tough ads all over the state. And down here in Silver Spring, though, it never caught on. And what consistently led me back to believe that that Mr. Jealous could win is that this neck of the woods in Montgomery County, they were hardcore for Jealous, Silver Spring and, and certain pockets. But then again, I also have to understand that I live in an echo chamber. I see what my friends are writing on Facebook, okay? And a lot of my friends were very pro-Jealous. A lot of my friends indicted <laughs> uh, Larry Hogan on virtually everything, and they didn't like Larry Hogan for this. And what I found most interesting is 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 someone like Rich Madalino, and I never quite understood this. He was someone who brought up during the general election, during the last weaning days of the of the gubernatorial primary, that Ben Jealous had some sort of Me Too problem. Now these rumors circulated all over, and I I investigated it. I know another reporter heavily investigated, and what we found is is that. While people were willing to talk on background or off the record, they wouldn't go on the record. And, and you can't put a story together, and you can't write a story if people aren't going to talk on the record. Otherwise, it would be rumor, innuendo, or speculation, okay? And, and that's why I never released a piece on it. But he put out some stuff that w- was critical of Jealous. I think most of any of the gubernatorial Democratic candidates who were running for governor, he put out some, some tough stuff against Jealous. He became Jealous's, probably his right, his sidekick throughout this election. And I was like, wow, Ben, Rich Madalino is, is, is really doing the pro-Jealous stuff. Now, that's not to say that he wasn't thinking in the back of the head, hey, if the, he wins this thing, I'm going to probably be budget secretary at the statewide level. Okay, fine. Well, he, he got to be budget secretary of Maryland's largest county. That's, that's a big deal. And I think he's qualified for that job. So I, I just didn't always understand Rich Madalino's modus operandi. You know, I think that, um, politics is tough. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. That, that candidates are m- removed from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very much so. They put out a lot of... Yeah. We, we talked about that in our last election, and I thought that that was vehemently unfair, the way that they targeted Alec 
to score a political point or two. And that says to me they were either worried about your campaign or that it was just an opportunity to bolster him at the expense of somebody else. At Did he raise money off of that? Really? Huh. I, I re- but... And he got the endorsement from Victory Fund. I remember that. Because all because of Alex's comment that he was prancing around Annapolis. <laughs> it was a gate. It was definitely some some people saw it as a uh, a moment that Alec. Uh, some people said he screwed up, and someone on the other side of the aisle, or rather, someone on the watching the election, analyzing the election, like myself. I I went out the gate. And, and struck back at some of these people and said, are you freaking crazy? I said, are you nuts to say something like this? Alec probably had a bad moment. And if he, I guarantee you, he would not use that phrase again, knowing there's some sort of, there's a connotation. And people learn. Look, as a straight white guy, there's things that I learn every day. And I have a, I have a diverse group of friends. And people are like, you know, Ryan, um, I know you grew up in Western Maryland. And uh, you're a, a nice white Catholic boy. And you went to a Catholic university. And you were surrounded by people that um, all look like you, but people don't necessarily always think like, and I have learned so much by spending time with so many different groups of people, which is like the greatest thing in my life, truly, and and it's true, Julie, I grew, I had different experiences, and I don't always know what I, I shouldn't say, and but I will tell you that if someone brings that to my attention and says, this is offensive, or it could be perceived as offensive, I will I will take that phrase out of my lexicon because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset someone. And if that really did, and uh, Alec is the last person in the world who would ever intentionally use a anti-gay slur, and I thought that that was really unfair. And all maybe it would have taken was a conversation between the both of them. Like if 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 Rich picked up the phone and said, "Hey, Alec, I know you said this, and let me just explain as a gay man." That it is on a, we we see that as as a as, as something you probably yeah instead of blowing it like if he just said like if you imagine this if you saw it a forum like Rich walked over and and shook his hand or gave him a hug and said Alec no worries here this is one of those moments where I just want you to understand where we're coming from I think people would have said wow. It's like the the Pete Davidson skit. Remember when he apologized? Um, I mean, it was a little bit more extreme what Pete Davidson did. But everybody looked at that and said, Pete Davidson and Dan Crenshaw are both stand-up guys. And that is where politics need to be instead of these drive-by attacks in politics. And that's what it was. It was a drive-by attack. And I'm thinking, Rich, you're better than this. You know, you know Alec is not this. And if that's what it takes to raise money, what are you doing like you can do it in a much better way than, and and it just seemed intellectually dishonest to me. And I told him that. And 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 Rich has a tendency to say things that you're just like, dude. We know you're smart. We know that you're 
we know that you're the smartest guy in the room, okay? You don't necessarily have to tell everybody that. <laughs> Alex really smart. I mean, oh, I mean, look at his positions that he's had in in government. I remember that. <laughs> I do. It was a good moment. He was trolling him. I'm glad Rich. It does. You can't you can't take away anyone's feelings. And that is and politics is a deeply personal, emotional process. I've 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 seen it. Some some of my closest dear friends have gone through it and said they would either do it again or they would never do it again based on their experience. And I I'm I I think that we have grown accustomed to politics that are so mean. I mean, look what happened. To, I mean, just take a look at the president today tweeting about he's nothing to do. He's probably locked up and caged up inside of the White House. God only knows where Melania is or his staff. He's watching TV. He's pissed off at Saturday Night Live because they did a, they did a hilarious skit last night. Oh, it's it's perfect. It's um it's a wonderful life and they imagined if he would have never been president and he's and Alec Baldwin of course played Trump and his his uh prime role that he does and uh Mahler was played by Robert De Niro. It's so good. But anyway, you look at what Trump is doing with his tweets with his, Trump is a fundamentally bad person. He's a bad guy. His own Acting chief of staff now, Mick Balvaney, called him a terrible person. I would, I look at him and I think there are some serious, I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but there are some serious issues happening in that man's head. And that's parlaying over into our country. And it's not okay to do what he does. It's not okay. And, and I see there's such a meanness in politics. It's, it's so competitive to the point where you can say anything you want about your opponent and then you lose sight of policy. And I, I don't want to ever see that again. I mm-hmm. You did. Or unfair. Yeah, you're talking about the president of the United States, the moral leader of the world. And I don't know how this story is going to end. I don't. And I I hope it ends either peacefully where there's a transition of power. And I hope and I hope that it it, he I don't want to see him reelected. 
not only because of policy reasons, and as, as a journalist covering this, I think that we are so much better than Donald Trump. I mean, really, you look at him and you're like, I don't want my kids to be like him. I would never want my kids to be to grow up to be a bully, to say mean things. And this whole, you know, and maybe Melania Trump's be best campaign to stop bullying. And you laugh, but you know what? Is there is something to it, and I take, and I and I think that it's characteristic of the times that we have to, to take a look at adults bullying each other. But it's just a, it's so ironic. And I, I look at our White House now, and I and I wish and hope that. This would just end like peacefully. He he doesn't get reelected. I don't think he's going to be impeached. I don't see that. I, I I don't. I look at. I hope the Democrats come out and and fight back. That's right. Maybe in the House. I think there's more to come on the the. There's there's so many investigations. I don't even know where to begin. But this is not normal. And I keep telling that to people. This is. Don't ever consider this to be the new normal, because I think once we get him out of office, I think you're going to see a different type of politics. I really do. And, and one unifying aspect of Maryland is that most people in Maryland reject that style of politics. Larry, if Larry Hogan had run as a Trumpian candidate... He would have lost handedly, as he should have. And, and I think that Larry Hogan, and as much as Democrats attempted to try to say that Larry Hogan and Donald Trump are one and the same, I, don't, I never saw that argument panning out. But they tried to make him into, to, to be Trump. I think they tried to say that he was very Trumpian or that he was hanging. Well, I think some Democrats. I think that, that, that Jealous and Mr. Jealous was using that argument, and I've heard it by Rich Madalino, and I think that they, they tried to tie him directly to Trump or that he didn't come out strongly enough against Donald Trump. And I don't know how else he could have come out, uh, but Larry Hogan has he's taken a moderate track, hasn't he? Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Julie, it's the it's the end of the year and looking back on your experience in two thousand and eighteen, what are some of those key moments that you remember maybe about your campaign or just politics in general in Maryland? <laughs> now you got a lot of you got a lot on your plate right now. Right. That's right. So it was a media-driven narrative. Right. 
It's just like, why, then, why the hell you didn't you vote for us? That's right. Even reach out to him? And I think most candidates who are running for governor or have your campaign was always transparent and accessible. There's never a time where, as someone from a media side, I could not get a response. 100% out of 100, out of 100 times, if I had a question, either your press person would answer the question or Alec would pick up the phone. Or you would pick up the phone, and and I messaged. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was calling here at Denison's, like, "Hey, this I'm looking for Julie. Is she around?" I have. You're like, "Oh God, what does this guy want?" You know, can't can't we just hold off for a couple of other days? <laughs> no, well, you know, I had to do that. So. <laughs> you're like, he knows, but we can't say anything. And but what a. Just, this year has been pretty cool, really. If you think about it, it's been a hell of a year. Um, I'm, I'm, I got to witness some cool stuff in Maryland politics. We had a real serious, we had a serious conversation about the differences. P, you know, the candidates had differences with Governor Hogan, and some candidates said that he was not going on the right track. And I, and I hope that he listens too to, and I'm sure, he, and, I, and I think that there, there's an opportunity where both sides can say, hey, we're not. Every issue that we're not going to be right on or we're not going to agree on, but there is consensus, and I'm hoping that it happens in the legislature. I think it will. I'm hoping so. My fingers are crossed. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't, I don't even, I, and I, and as someone from the media side, I should be more in tune with the legislative agenda. And I've asked some of the legislators, and I think that they're still crafting what they hope to accomplish in Annapolis over the 90-day session. And we'll find out soon. We'll, we'll have a conversation about the budget. We'll have a conversation over education and the Kerwin Commission. We're going to talk probably... Eventually, marijuana legalization has to come up. I mean, other... Yeah. Yeah? Do you think that it could happen under this administration of, of Governor Hogan? I, I don't see... I don't. I don't see him pushing back against it. Do you? Well, this is this is District Twenty, and I know David Moon is a, a big supporter. Yeah, so he would be heavily pushing that every year. Yeah, and he's also introducing legislation for, I believe, not to have taxpayers pay for any new taxpayer-funded stadiums. 
right? So yeah, the big question is, will the Redskins remain in, in Maryland, in, in PG County, or are they going to go to D.C.? And it, I think the, the biggest answer to the question is, when are they going to get rid of Dan Snyder? Dan Snyder's terrible. <laughs> I, I don't expect to interview Dan Snyder any, anytime soon, but if he were sitting across the table from me, I would say, Dan, you, you really know, you really, really have to just go. Yeah, dude, come on now. You know, I know you're playing us, and you're you're kind of tingling that, you know, you're dangling these incentives out in front of, but I'm thinking, I, I don't want to pay for your stadium, and I don't want to pay for anything that Dan Snyder brings forth in as far as government but you know this year has been so fascinating i'm sure it's been an incredible year for you for a candidate that was on a gubernatorial ticket that went through this process that had the opportunity to get out in front of a lot of people and have conversations i can't think of anything more interesting than than being part of that process and I do hope that you stay active, and I do, I do hope that you stay involved. I mean, you're a business owner, and we know how much time. I know how much time you're spending making things happen in the business world. Good. Yep. Yeah. Right. Is that right? Are you are you testifying on the Hill? Um, no, I not Okay. Wow. And you say you're on the board? What's with Colorado and craft beer? Well, you know that Hinkenlooper was, I believe, owned a few breweries. Wouldn't be a bad choice. I, I tweeted today that he will be a breakout star. I believe that. For a year. And he's he's running as a moderate. Yep. He he and he won't launch into a diatribe against Trump. He talks about why his policies would make more sense. And as a United States congressman, he always found a way to explain his votes and why he was entertaining or supporting or championing a certain piece of public policy. I like him a lot. Oh, sure, sure. And I think most people have to, even the, the right wing. Um, and, and I think Trump acts like a I, – I really think that he's caged up and he has little people who surround him. I think that his network is so small and he spends a lot of his time watching TV. I don't think that he reads any of his briefing papers and I, I don't believe that he does anything productive. And I, I just – don't see the third year of his pre- I mean, virtually every single thing that he touches turns to shit. 
and he's just a bad person. And I don't, I mean, how much more can this country endure? And I think we'll be fine afterwards. And I think we're all just girding and waiting and hoping that it just goes away and that we return to a more polite politics. Maybe it won't, but the Republican Party, Julie, they have, have, they have to come to a reckoning. Because if that's the party that, you know, 45% or 35 or it's un, it's un, it's just unbelievable that, and, and there's a big chunk of people in this country that look at Trump and say, oh, I, I agree with him. And that's even scarier because he, if he didn't have the movement behind him, then it would be a much different conversation. But he does, and he feels empowered by them. And I think any time his back against, is against the wall, Jolie, he goes back to his tropes or his just, you know, the wall or hating on the media. And what he's doing by saying that the, 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 the media is the enemy of the people, that's a dangerous path. And I don't think he understands that. And I, I think he does it because it's, he thinks that every story about him is unfair. Well... Donald, if he, he's everything that he's doing seems to be just completely insane and ridiculous. That's scary. That's scary. I mean, think about it. If he had his choice, I mean, he tweeted today something about looking at how courts could interpret a comedy sketch. Yeah, like he was pissed off about Saturday Night Live and said this should be discussed in courts. And this person, this president, yeah, so that's where we are. But I think Maryland's a lot better than that. And I think that Maryland will rise above this and that we will continue to push back. And Marylanders are geographically closer to the Capitol so we can go protest. (laughs) So, Julie, you have a big dinner in front of you right now. I'm looking at it. What is that? Are you a vegetarian? But that looks delicious. Well, I love your beer here, and I love the food. I love denizens. I really think that this is one of the coolest places around, and I wish Up County had something like this. We don't have in Gaithersburg. We 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 just opened the Yard House. Have you heard about this? It's it's. Uh, I haven't. We haven't gone there yet, but Growlers is cool. And it's right down the street from us. No, Growlers is a good spot. Um, if you make it up... Oh, right. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I wish one could come up there. Maybe that could be your next adventure. I could convince you to come to Gaithersburg. Yeah, there you go. I know, one step at a time. Well, um, Merry Christmas to you. And happy holidays, and thank you for doing this. Um, it means a lot to me that you sit down on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and talk to me. Yeah, it's thank you. We'll hang out and do this more, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of news that happens in good old 2019. What hap- I don't know what's I don't know what to expect, but I'm just going to hang out and talk to as many people as I can. All right, thanks, Julie.